the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. Regular listeners to the podcast will not need me to remind them that there is a humanitarian crisis at sea right now. A year into the COVID pandemic and we're still repeating the same disquieting statistics, namely that hundreds of thousands of seafarers from across the globe have been left stranded working aboard ships beyond the expiry of their initial contracts. It beggars belief that this situation remains unresolved. Despite significant efforts by international organisations, unions, companies and some governments, we're now starting to see the situation get worse, not better, as governments bring in more travel bans in response to the new strains of the COVID-19 virus being discovered. The recent launch of the Neptune Declaration, a now 500-strong coalition of companies from across the supply chain, all aiming to facilitate crew change, has been universally welcomed as a positive move in the right direction. But there's now a growing realisation that there's not going to be any singular fix to the issue. The industry and seafarers globally are facing up to the unpalatable fact that, for now at least, this is the reality of maintaining a global supply chain. So this week I've invited back Graham Westgarth, chairman of V Group, to talk us through the current situation as he sees it. As a key figure behind the Neptune Declaration and chairman of one of the largest ship management agencies, he is painfully aware of the restrictions and While he is positive that the Neptune Declaration is at least starting to have some impact, he's also realistic about how quickly things are going to change and warns that the crewing crisis yet to emerge will hit when seafarers decide not to return back to work. Yeah, I I think, as I think we talked about last time, the the industry is extremely resourceful and and resilient. And what we saw from March onwards, where where there was absolutely, we couldn't move anyone anywhere then, you know, and we had this massive buildup of people who were overdue for reliefs, you know, at one point running probably 35% of the seafarers on board. Then gradually we found a way around that. And that was mainly, I think, because of the way the industry is able to find solutions as, as opposed to you're having a coordinated, uh, if you like, methodology of changing out our seafarers. So, so things started to improve, uh, and then you know I think more governments did. The number of governments did accept seafarers as key workers, and, and that helped as well. But then by Christmas time, certainly within V Group, then we were down to less than ten percent of overdue seafarers. That would be around about two thousand seafarers. Still not. It's satisfactory, you're still far from ideal, but at least it was progress. And then then I think, of course, we've seen the variations. That's bringing in additional complications. And and I, I would say at the moment, because every country is acting differently, it's not apparent what 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 impact that's really having. So we can we can see that there's been there's now a gradual increase uh, in in outstanding seafarers but it's not dramatic at, at, at this point in time mm. and that but what, what the, the great thing about the neptune declaration and the principles that, that are outlined in that is if you follow those it, it doesn't matter if you have variants it doesn't matter if you you know you know that things change because we know that the you know the the, the, the quarantine and isolation actually works so, so I, I think it's the Neptune Declaration. It was interesting. The IAMO came out yesterday in support of the ne- Neptune Declaration, which I, I think is very helpful. 
and urging more governments to accept seafarers as key workers. So we're in this phase where I think it's, you know, it's, it's there's a, certainly a degree of uncertainty about what may happen over the next few months. But it, at the same time, it, it, it really reinforces the fact, let's keep pushing the Neptune principles because we know that works and that can overcome any of the, these elements. The Neptune Declaration, for those not familiar with the details here, this is, of course, is the latest industry effort to try and coordinate best practice, but across the whole supply chain. It was, uh, you know, put together with the support of the the Global Maritime Forum, uh, you know, who uh, regular listeners will remember from actions such as uh, Poseidon Principles and and, and various of top level industry uh, collaboration efforts, if you like. Uh, they're really there's a coalition of the willing at the top of the industry. And it's interesting, you have over 300 companies uh, in the initial sign up list and they're across the supply chain. And the key, I guess, for many is that it's not necessarily doing anything new. Much of the detail of the declaration has been seen in various guises from both industry and government over the last year. But it's, I guess, the visibility of it because of the people involved. But it's also the stressing that this is a shared problem across the supply chain. It's not just an issue for ship managers or ship owners. Uh, It's got to involve governments. It's got to involve supply chain cargo interests. Everybody has a responsibility. Now, in principle, that sounds great, but uh, you know, I wanted your you know take on this. We've heard from the markets, uh, you know, quite clearly that in many cases we're seeing charterers uh, essentially not fix ships where there are known to be crew change uh, issues coming down the pipeline. Now, from the charterer's point of view, that's you know uh, to some extent understandable from a financial perspective. You know, who wants to uh, you know fix a ship when you know you're going to have costly delays coming down the week, coming down in a few weeks' time? But as the Neptune Declaration makes clear, this is a shared responsibility. So, how do we get that balance right? And do you see this as a a, a problem uh, that perhaps the declaration may solve? Yeah, I, I think there's a it's a great question. Uh, Richard, I, I think there's uh, a, a couple of elements on that. I think we're now up to five over 580 signatories, uh, so you know, great, which I think is significant in itself. And you know, for those who've signed, then you know what we need to then, then make sure is that everyone understands that that the, the, you know having signed, it's whilst it's not a legal obligation, there's a moral obligation I think yeah. attached to it. And, uh, and as you say. It is a shared responsibility, and that's what you've signed up for. So, so I think it's first there's a there's a piece around following up with the signatories, you know, so and making sure that everybody uh, is doing their their part in, in in trying to make make them successful. And then I think there's another piece of work where the people who haven't signed up. And we can now that we know who signed up, then we can be much more targeted in terms of really, uh, really entering into dialogue of those who haven't signed up, and uh, and trying to understand why not, and what 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 things need to happen for them to sign up. Because mm. it's only when you have the you know you've really got the mass that have signed up that you can really interact with go to government saying look the industry is is coalesced around this, they've co- cooperated, and we have solutions that take away your 
in a, in a way, take away your problem, part of your problem. Yeah. So, so I think there is a, there's a, what I would call a phase two. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of saying phase one, more educate. Phase one was getting everybody, developing the the, 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 the the material, as you say, much of which already existed, but not in one place. Phase two is, you know, making sure it's enacted and then getting more people uh, who are vital to the, the success of it uh, involved. So I think that's that's a phase that we're just about to enter. I mean, I don't doubt the spirit of the declaration, and I don't doubt the genuine intentions of the vast majority of those involved. But it does strike me that there is still a bit of a disconnect at the heart of the current crisis between what people are saying versus what people are doing. And I'm not pointing fingers specifically just at the charters there. You know, there is a disconnect between what many of the governments are saying versus what they are doing. Things change. Things are complicated. We are already a fragmented industry where we know communication between the various constituent parts is difficult on a, on a normal daily basis. We are in extraordinary times uh, and things are moving very quickly. I guess the concern I have is that I'm not hearing or seeing anything with the Neptune Declaration that I haven't spoken to you about last year or many of the other people already working. Why do we think this time is different? Visibility you know, was always the question. It's like, well, we need to raise the visibility and the profile of this problem. It's like, that's not the problem now. The governments are very much aware of this. We've had everybody from you know the IMO Secretary General to the Pope uh, raised this as an international issue, and yet still things don't change. Well, I think things have changed, and some some countries, you know, uh, I, I think have really aligned with this, and uh, and uh, and basically, you know, as late as last week, we had a, a government that's fairly significant in the maritime. Space anyway, saying okay, we we want to work with you, alongside you, uh, you know, to promote other governments to uh, uh, and, and other organisations to adopt the Neptune principles because it is a it's an issue. So I, I think the one thing I've learned in running big organisations over the years is sometimes things take time, and 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 you know, and even so, you can be at the top of an organisation, you can make a commitment, but it. By the time it gets to the, if you like, the the coal phase, then then it's often diluted, or people don't quite understand it, or they think you need something else. So you have to. There's this process where you have to keep repeating it and repeating, it and 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 showing that you need to, that you really mean you walk want to walk the talk. And I think that's true of, you know, governments as as well as, you know, as well as organisations. Is that the the politicians may something. Say something, but the border force may say do act in 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 a different way, if you like, because mm. the way it's been interpreted. So I think you do have to give these things time. Uh, you know, the Neptune Declaration is relatively uh, new, uh, although the dialogue isn't new. You're, you're absolutely right, but we do have to, and, and we just have to keep. It's, this is so critical, I think, on many, from many different aspects that we just have to keep as an as a industry working at it and, and trying to identify hotspots and being very specific in what we need to do to to uh, to, to resolve the issues around those hotspots. Mm. The other disconnect I find is that uh, while I know this is not the case for you, you know, you, you, as you described, you, you run a large organisation, but you're, I suspect, closer to the dialogue with the, sh the crew on board the ships on a daily basis than many engaging in this conversation. It is 
a large scale problem. It's a political problem. It's, you know, it's something that is being discussed at a high level. And often we lose sight of the impact that this is having on the crew themselves. How would you characterize the sort of current spirit of those working on V-ships, managed ships? You know, do they understand this process? Do they understand what's happening? Uh, what's the general consensus? Yeah, when when this, you know, you know, this at that time I was CEO of V Group. Then when when this all started, of course, uh, before moving to chairman, and I, I think we we made a, a, a commitment at that time, myself and all the senior team, that they would phone a number of ships per week uh, and speak to the crew wherever possible as a group, uh, and often you know the, the master would get everyone on the bridge. And, and I was just astounded by the, not just the resilience of the people and the commitment, but but also that that, that they understood the situation. You know, they had they had, they had a very good insight in, in, into the situation, and and they weren't blaming anyone. Uh, but but of course, they, they, what they were doing is, you know, saying, well, well, it has to you know, some. We have, we have to keep the pressure up. We have to resolve this, you know, because we have families. We, you know, so now having said that, and this is something I'm hearing more of, not particularly related to B Group, but I think across the industry, I, I think, and this again is why it's so vital that we we find solutions. A lot of those who are trapped on ships have actually went home, and and now what we what I'm hearing is. There's a reluctance on some to come back because whilst you have this uncertainty, they're concerned they, they, they're going to come back to sea, and then there's another they spend another nine months or ten months away from their families, mm-hmm. and, and of course it, if that if that gathers momentum or if it, it, it grows in proportion, then all of a sudden you have you have a real issue, a supply and demand issue around yeah. around sea therapy. and that's a concern uh, for me for me and I think should be for the industry. Well, it seems an appropriate place to leave it, but uh, I suspect we will be coming back to this question uh, for some months to come. So uh, hopefully we will be hearing from you again at some point in the relatively near future. But for now, Graham Westgarth, Chairman of V Group, thank you very much for joining the Lloyd's List podcast yet again. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it.